Well, uh, welcome. Uh, Happy New Year. This is the first one of the New Year. Can you look to someone next to you and say, Happy New Year? Happy New Year. Uh, Say, I welcome you in the name of the Lord. Can you say that to somebody? Yeah. All right. Good, good, good. Uh, This is the first Sunday of the New Year, which means I can make several promises to you that if you're here today, uh, your perfect attendance streak is going strong for 2019. That's the first thing I can promise you. Uh, Second thing I can promise you is that today will be the best sermon that I will have preached this year. I can promise you that. I can also promise you it will be the worst sermon I preached this year. I can also promise you it will be the longest sermon that I'm going to preach that I have preached this year, uh, but also the shortest one as well. So um, these things I can promise in all certainty because uh, obviously this is the first one. January 6th, right? That's what today is. January was named by the Romans after a Greek uh, goddess, I believe, named, named Janus, right? J-A-N-U-S. And the name Janus meant, um, well, she was a two-faced goddess. I think she, it was a she. I don't know if it was a he or she, but it uh, wasn't real anyway. But Janus uh, was two-faced. So one face looked backwards and one face looked forward, right? One was looking back at what had happened in recognition and remembrance, and the other looked forward in anticipation and hope. And that's what January is. It's a time uh, filled with new expectations looking forward, but it's also a time of remembering as we look backwards. And so today what I want to do is I want to introduce a series on remembering because there's something powerful and something beautiful about remembering the past, isn't there? I mean, it Granted, if there's bad memories in the past, then it's not so beautiful sometimes. But when we remember the things of the past, there's value in it. Our uh, youth just went away and came back from a retreat last night. And uh, our guest speaker was a, was a friend of mine. We've known each other for about 20 years. And so uh, a better part of our time as we're driving to and from the retreat center, just spent thinking about um, years past, places that we've been, things that we've done, people that we've ministered to, um, basketball games that we played, retreats that we've been to, people that we've encountered. There's something special about talking about the past, about remembering the past, about taking a trip down memory lane. Olivia and I do this sometimes when we look at old pictures of ourselves. We've been uh, married a short 12 years. It's gone by super quick, but we've uh, been married, and, and through the passage of time, we realize looking at pictures that the time that's passed has been actually a pretty substantial uh, period of time. We look at pictures, and uh, those who are older than me are going to say, ha, 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 this is funny, young man. And those who are younger than me are going to say, okay, this makes sense. But we'd say things like as we look at pictures before white hair and before wrinkles and before the hairline started going backwards and the waistline started going downwards, we would say things like, ah, when we were young. <laughs> we look at pictures when we were younger and we say, oh, this is so great. And, and the reason we would remember the things of the past Well, because it evokes a certain feeling. This is called nostalgia, right? A longing for the past. And when you replay the events of the past, it's almost like we're back in that moment again. There's something powerful about remembering the past. There's things that we learned, mistakes that we made, that we've grown from. And so the Bible tells us constantly, hundreds of times throughout Scripture, that we ought to remember But there's something interesting about the biblical call to remembrance. I was reading a Jewish scholar this week, and I don't don't do that often, but for whatever reason, um, part of my my studying came across this Jewish scholar, and he said when the Bible calls the people of God to remembrance, it's not merely an intellectual exercise. 
Like, hey, remember today is so-and-so's birthday, or hey, remember your anniversary. It's not merely an intellectual exercise, but it involves all that we are. There's something about the biblical call to remember that causes the people of God to say, this is who we are. The common memories and the common past, the shared history, has a way of identifying us as a community and say these are experiences that no other community has. These are things that no other nation has. That's why when you get together with a group of friends from high school or middle school or elementary school or friends from wherever the moments of your past are, when you talk about those times, you talk about them, and as you do that, you're solidifying the the bonds of your relationship to say this is who we are. And so the people who did not have those shared experiences cannot understand what you're saying because you're saying this is who we are as a people. This is who we are as a friend, as a family. These are the memories that we share as a family. This is who we are as friends. This is our crew, right? This is our people. This is uh, the people with whom I roll. And the shared memories remind us of that, and they take us into a place of deepening uh, the relational bonds and our identity as a community. If that didn't make any sense, that's okay. I'm going to explain it in a little bit more. Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where we're going to look today. Uh, in Deuteronomy, this fifth book of the Bible, 16 times in this book, it tells us to remember. And again, it's not just something you do in your head. It's something that we do as a community because these are things that shape our identity collectively as a people of God. Now, Deuteronomy 8 comes at a very important time in the history of the people of God. If you are familiar with biblical history, the Israelites, the people of God, were enslaved in Egypt, and through a miraculous deliverance, God set them free and had them Uh, gave them Ten Commandments so that they could be constituted as a nation. And for the next 40 years, they were wandering around in the wilderness trying to make it to the promised land. And where Deuteronomy 8 comes in, they've gotten to the edge of that promised land. And it's here that Moses gives um, this speech calling them to remember. Now, chapter 1 kind of sets that stage. Chapter 2, verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 1 sets the stage. Verse 2 is where we begin to talk about remembering We're going to pick up in verse 10, read verses 10 through 18, because um, a lot of what we see here is a reiteration of what we saw in the verses before. Um, But this is the word of God for the people of God in those days as well as for today. It says, when you have eaten, okay, this is in the promised land, and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. For the good land he has given you. Remember the land flowing with milk and honey. Not just manna from heaven. Uh, Verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving uh, giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you. So that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, remember the Lord your God. For it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is today. This is God's word. You know, some, uh, 
some time ago, I think it was here in, in, in Florida, there was a debate amongst uh, public schools, amongst the school board, and the question was, with technological advances and the need for us to understand how to use computers, should we make computer learning a necessary course in our public schools and eliminate the teaching of world history? That was a debate in the schools. And there were some pragmatists who said, yeah, absolutely, that's a great idea because we've got some kids in impoverished uh, counties who don't know how to use a computer and they're going to fall way behind. And then there are others who said, there's no way you can do that. Because if you do not remember, repeat the mistakes of history, learn the lessons of history, then we're bound to repeat those mistakes. We need to remember history. In other words, we cannot forget the past. That's what Moses is saying here. We cannot forget the past. As we stand on uh, the, the, the edge of January, right, on the beginning of January, looking into a new year, I know some of you want to turn the page as quickly as you can to 2018 and all the stuff that's happened. Maybe 2018, 2017, 2016 were all bad years for you, and you're just waiting for a good year, waiting for a break, and you just can't wait. till You're running as fast as you can away from your past. What Moses is saying to the people of God and what God is saying to you and me today is you cannot forget the past. You cannot forget the past. Three thoughts I don't want to bring out from this passage here. The first thing is this. Remember the blessings of the past, but don't forget God. As you think about this, you think about what are the ways in which God blessed you in the past? Maybe this past year. Maybe this past year you saw the blessing of God and whatever way, you, you, I mean, you can think about this whatever way you want. Maybe you moved down here, you got a new job, and to you that's a blessing. Maybe you got promoted to a new place in your workplace. Maybe you got into college, you started college, you went to college, you had a great first semester. You got a higher GPA than you ever did in high school. Maybe this seventh grade year has been awesome for you. Maybe your, your parents are, are doing better than before. Maybe you got baptized and, and, and came to know the Lord this year. Whatever those blessings are. He says, we need to remember these blessings. Because there's a temptation within us. There's actually three that we see here. The first temptation we have is to forget the blessings. He says in verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. In the desert, in the wilderness wanderings, for 40 years, they were eating manna. Like, I, cannot, I love pizza. I love pizza. I love it. It's my, probably my favorite food. I could eat pizza. There was one, one week where I ate pizza seven days in a row. Right? Not, it wasn't all by my choice. It was all different kinds of pizza. Seven days in a row, Olivia was dying. She's like, oh my gosh, you are going to die if you eat pizza eight days in a row. But I cannot imagine eating even something as good as pizza for 40 years. Is that crazy? For 40 years in the wilderness, they're eating manna. They're eating all of this crazy stuff. And then all of a sudden, they come into this new land flowing with milk and honey. Amazing food. All of this stuff, everything that they dreamed of. And he says, when you eat and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. Because it's easy for us, the first temptation is for us to forget the blessings. You know how it is, right? I, I see little babies coming in. You get a baby. That was your blessing. You're so thankful. You hold up that baby like Lion King, and you're like, oh, thank you, God, for this blessing. But as soon as that baby poops all over you for the ninth night in a row and you haven't been sleeping, then it's easy for us to say, God, can I send this thing back to you? Because a lot of times it's easy for us to forget the blessings of God, isn't it? We're, con we're a lot like uh, that, that uh, 
a dory in finding Nemo. We've got this short-term memory that we forget the things that God has done. We might have just come back from an amazing retreat three days, four days away, and we felt so blessed. And yet when your mom woke you up to come to church this morning, you said, I don't want to come and worship God. Isn't that how we are? Like we forget the blessings of God so easily. Or, or, or last week we came to worship and, and, and some people said, you know what, oh, that message, that really jacked me up, that messed me up, man, I'm going to live for God this week, this year. And then you come Sunday morning and you're like, oh, I don't even feel like clapping and worshiping God. We have such short-term memory when it comes to the blessings of God. None of us like it when we give someone a gift and they don't remember it. We were, uh, for those of you who are new, we went through this Advent conspiracy during the Christmas season and we said, hey, why don't we worship fully? And if worshiping fully means we spend less to give more to others to love everyone, then let's do that. And so some people interpret it to be like, all right, we ain't giving gifts to each other. And so um, my family did that. We were kind of intentional about it. And so uh, I forgot I was talking with, with someone. I said, hey, yeah, our family, we're doing this Advent conspiracy. So we, we're not, we, didn't, we didn't really get each other Christmas gifts. And my nine-year-old daughter, Manny, said, no, Daddy, I remember I got you at the Winterland gift shop. She got me this, like, uh, keychain that says number one dad. She's like, I got not that for you, remember dad, I remember dad. And she was upset because I forgot the gift that she had given to me. It's easy for us to forget the blessings of God also. And so we're called to remember. But that's the first temptation. The second temptation is to remember the blessing, but to forget God. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, verse 11, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees. Uh, maybe for some of you, the blessing this year was uh, your husband or your wife or a child or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a friend in your life that you prayed for. And you got, you've gotten close with them and you're like, oh, man, this is awesome. What a blessing. But in loving the blessing, you've turned away from God. Aren't we prone to doing that too? To remember the blessing but to forget God. Like God's desire is that we would love him for who he is, not just for what he gives to us. You know how we know that we have put the blessing above the giver of the blessing? It's when we worship God better because we have that blessing in our lives. Or we worship God less because we don't have that blessing, whatever it is. It, it, this is, uh, again, something that Tim Keller says. He says, if your worship of God, your love for God is predicated upon him answering a certain prayer or him showing up in a certain way, then you don't worship God, you worship something else. Here's what he means by that. God, this is a year, 2019, it's going to be an awesome year. It's going to be a year of blessing. This is a year I finally get married. And God, you, oh, you don't understand, God. If you would just give me a wife this year, then, oh, my gosh, the worship I offered to you would be so amazing. If on the flip side that means, but God, if you don't give me a wife, then my worship will not be that amazing, then you don't really worship God, you worship a wife. Hello. God, this is a year we're going to finally get a home, or this is a year uh, you're going to give me a 4.0 because, God, I've been praying for it all of my life, and if you get a 3.7 or a 3.8 and you're upset with God, you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping your grade point average. God, I will love you, I'll worship you, I'll give you all of my praise, I'll give everything, I'll even go to Africa if you get me into this college and I'll study, I'll, be, I'll study, I'll go pre-med, I'll become a doctor and I'll do medical missions for you, I'll give my life to you as long as I get into this college. 
You don't get into that college, and so your worship of God is a little bit diminished, and you're upset, and when you sing, God, you're so good, you're like, God, you're kind of good. That's how we sing, because we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping our future and our plans that we have for our future. Are you seeking God for God, or are you seeking God for what he can give to you, the blessings he gives to you? When I was uh, starting out in youth ministry, uh, my second year as a youth pastor, I didn't know anything, but um, this middle school girl, seventh grader, said, David Chandosani, that means, uh, hey, David, you who are in seminary, uh, our youth pastor, can you come to my birthday party? I was like so excited. I had never been to a middle school birthday party before, right? If you invite me now, I probably wouldn't because it's a little bit weird now. But she invited me as her youth pastor to the seventh grade birthday party. And I was so excited. I was like, I wonder what they do. I wonder if they're going to make me paint their nails or if they're going to make me do a facial, what they're going to do. And as soon as I said, yeah, I'm going to be there, she said, awesome. Can you pick up Hannah and Jessica and Julie and Evelyn? And I was like, I understand. You don't want me to be there. You want me to bring your friends to be there. And then you... I'll pray for your meal, and then you'll say, okay, you can leave now. I understand. I understand because I do that to God a lot too. I say, God, I want you. Oh, God, I'll seek you with all of my heart. But also, here's a bunch of things that I want from you. We take the blessings, but we forget God. That's a second temptation. Have you done that before? Do you want the blessing? Some of us, we go to retreats, uh, our youth, we came back from retreat. Some of us go to retreats and we want the blessings of God more than we want God himself, don't we? Like we want to feel, we want to feel good about God. We want to feel good about ourselves. We want to have a flutter of our emotions. And if that's not there, then we're not going to seek God. Can I tell you, your God is not the God of the Bible. Your God is your emotions and a feeling and an experience of God. Maybe that's us as adults too. Oh, you know what? DL didn't bring it today. I'm not feeling anything. I don't know why he's talking. He says it's going to be the longest sermon. And that's all you're thinking. Do we want the blessing or do we want God himself? The second temptation is to remember the blessing but to forget God. The third temptation is to remember the blessing but to think that we earned it. Verse 18, he says, but remember the Lord your God. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, <coughs> for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You might say, hey, you know what? I'm an atheist. On Thanksgiving, I'm thankful. Who are you thankful to? Well, not to God. I'm thankful to myself because <coughs> I did this. I worked harder than everybody else. That's why I got the grades I got. I studied hard. When, you know what? When everyone else was playing around, I studied. Right? That's me. I did it. And when everyone else was messing around, schmoozing, I was doing the work that I was supposed to be doing. That's why I got this job. Okay? That's why I got all this money. Because I did it. I worked harder than everybody else. But can I, can I ask you something? This is what he says. <coughs> Who gives you the ability to do, do that? Well, I had the brain. Who gave you that brain? I had the strength. Who gave you that strength? Well, my dad's work ethic. Who gave you that dad? You, you, you didn't choose your dad. You didn't choose your mom. You didn't choose your pedigree. You didn't choose where you were going to be born. You didn't choose to be born where you are. You didn't choose to live here or grow up here or be born into a, a place where, yeah, certain things happen. I'm not denying the fact that you had to work hard to get to where you are. 
But you have to understand that before all of those things ever happened, there were things that you had no ability to choose that happened in your life to get you to where you are now. There is no such thing as a self-made man. The fact that you got connected with the right people, that you found the right thing, because for every person like you, there's somebody who didn't make it, and it had nothing to do with them. They worked hard. Why is it that on a, on a certain road, on a certain night, one car in front of us got into a bad accident, but it wasn't us? It's not because they chose to get into that accident. It's because there are things that happened in our lives, whether you know it or not, that God has given to you in order for you to be able to live the kind of life that you're living right now. There's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. Because there's so many things that happened outside of your will that took place in order for you to get to where you are. And the third temptation is for us to remember the blessings, but to think, I did this on my own. Because nobody likes when someone steals their credit or steals their glory or steals their thunder. You give some, someone, everyone's calling this, this guy this nickname. Oh, you know what, his name is like this nickname, and everyone's laughing, and it's so funny. Hey, where do they get that nickname? And you know that you gave it to them, but somebody else says, oh, you know what, she did. And like, no, they, I was actually, I, I thought I gave them that. No, I'm sure I gave them that name because they laughed at me when I said it, and then they started, no one likes when the credit that is due them gets taken from them. That's what Moses is saying. To God be. All the glory. And so we remember the blessings of the past, but we don't forget God. That's the first thing that we see here. Second thing that we see here is to remember the lessons of the past, okay? But don't just remember them. What are the lessons that God has been teaching you over the past year? Maybe over the past week. At our retreat. Okay, for some of us, we remember the, the lessons of, of, of the last week. Remember the lessons of Advent conspiracy. We're like, oh, you know what? To worship God, maybe it, it's got to change the way that I spend my money. So I'm going to spend less on myself, and I'm going to give more to people who, who really need it. But as soon as Christmas ends, we're back to our old ways. He says, remember the lessons. They were not given just for a period in time. Right? The truth of God is timeless in our lives. What are the opportunities that you said, I need to grab a hold of this week? As you learned that last week, do you continue to remember those lessons? He says, remember the lessons of the past, but don't just remember them. Why? Here's what he says in verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees. In other words, he's saying, I'm not just giving you these laws so that you would know them. I'm giving them to you so that you might observe them. Because in observing them, you find life, and you find blessing, and you find hope, and you find joy. And your life becomes a witness to other people. My, uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Inky and I, we often uh, talk, and uh, we have to be on the same page about things as it relates to, to, to church. Uh, and so um, he's a busy man, so I don't want to bother him too much. And he thinks I'm a busy man, so he doesn't want to bother me too much. Uh, but the times that we do communicate and we talk, uh, we have to talk about a bunch of things, and then he'll give me this, like, this list of things that, yeah, I think these are things to think about. And then he'll say, David, I want to tell you something. Right? I don't know why you're laughing. I'm not imitating him. <laughs> I want to tell you something, but I'm not telling you to do anything about it. I'm just telling you for your information is what he says. I'm just telling you this is just FYI. Don't do anything. And he says that over and over. Don't, I don't want you to do anything. I don't expect you to do anything. I just want you to know for your information. Moses is saying, 
God don't tell you something for your information. He tells you for your transformation. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees. He didn't tell you something just so that you would know it. Because the knowing is not where the blessing lies. The blessing is in obedience. We got to remember the lessons, but don't just remember them. We got to live it out. What are the things that God has been speaking to your life about? Maybe for some of you it's about uh, the stewardship of your finances. And you're like, man, uh, I think if I wait long enough, then that buzz in my head to be more generous is going to go away. It keeps on coming up, doesn't it? <laughs> or faithfulness in the stewardship of your time. Oh, man, you know what? I got to start serving. Maybe, oh. I don't like when that guy Eugene gives announcements because he always somehow brings it around to the cleaning ministry and, ah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And you hear it again and, and, and you say, God, if you tell me one more time, I'll do it. But otherwise, I'm going to pretend like it. And, and so you walk in late. You walk in late, but you don't want to walk in too late because you know that's not worshiping fully. And you walk in and you're like, oh, man, Eugene is still up there. And, his la- and for my last announcement, I want to mention the cleaning ministry. And you're like, ah, he did it again. God doesn't tell us things for our information. He tells us so that we might obey. What are the things that God has been teaching you? What is he speaking to you about? What are the things that he's sharing? What are the repeated themes in your life? Because he ain't telling you just so that you might know. (laughs) He's telling you so that you might show, so that you might grow and you might live. All of you, my wife Olivia used to say, hey, if you know it, then show it. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll show it. I'll do my best. Uh, there's dishes in the sink. I know. If you know it, show it. Okay, so I got to do the dishes. One of the things that God's been showing me, teaching me, reminding me of, especially as we ended last year as we go to retreat, and um, just a constant thing as we've gone through morning prayer services is um, just a reminder that we forfeit so much of God's blessings because we give up praying too easily. I remember years back, God allowed me to hear a message and allowed me to really dive into Matthew 7 when it says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. And when he says ask, it seems like it's a command, but the command is in the continual present tense. What that means is you keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. In other words, Matthew 7 says, Keep on asking, and 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 you will receive. Keep on seeking, keep on seeking, keep on seeking, and then you'll find. Keep on knocking, keep on knocking, keep on knocking, keep on knocking. You know, some of you used to do this when you were little. used to go, like, in in an apartment complex or in a hotel hallway. You would, like, knock on people's doors, knock on people's doors, and then you'd run down the hallway. No? <laughs> uh, some of us used to, some of y'all used to do that, and so you'd, you'd run out, and, and you don't wait for anybody to open the door, but you keep on knocking, keep on, we do that with God, right? We knock, and then we run away, and God opens the door with this, this blessing, but we ain't there anymore. He says, you got to keep on knocking, keep on knocking, and, and, and I remember when, when the Lord began to really show me this. There was a, it was when Olivia and I had been married, maybe for like two, three, four years, and uh, we just moved into a new home, and someone had gifted us with uh, a washing machine, which was awesome, and it was amazing. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't brand new. It was one that they had had before, but hey, for us, it was like an amazing uh, white washer, dryer set, and it was great. The only thing is when we plugged it in, it would only work on medium load, 
You couldn't do uh, large load or extra large or small, and it would only work on warm water. So you couldn't do hot, and so you couldn't do, or you couldn't do cold. So a lot of our clothes shrank, but it's all good, man. So we had this washing machine, and we're loving life with it. And then one day, uh, Olivia and I went away on a retreat, and someone stayed at our house. Someone stayed at our house, and, and we came back, and they had left, and uh, after the retreat, we got to wash, do laundry. So we went to the laundry machine, and there was a note on the machine. And I said, sorry, y'all, I think your washing machine is broke. They lifted it up, and there was water in there. And, and they had said, we took out our clothes, but the water's not draining. And then actually, the power had just shut off. And so I said, okay, I'm not the handiest guy, but I've seen people do this. Uh, they unplug it and plug it back in. So I did that. Unplug, plugged it back in, and still nothing. I said, hmm kind of weird. So I did it again and, and did it again, and there was nothing. So I said, I've also seen people go and flip the circuit breaker. So I went into the garage, and I opened it up. I flipped it, and I was so excited. I think this might be it. And I pushed it, and there was nothing, right, this, like, electronic thing. I pushed it, nothing. So I pl- unplugged it, plugged it back in, and there was nothing. Pl- un- and, but the, the third time I did that, these letters flashed on the screen. It said, pray. I'm just kidding. It said, <laughs> it said PF. What does that mean? So what do you do when you don't know? You go to Google. And so I went and I typed in the make and the model of this washing machine and Google PF and all these forums came up. And it said PF means it's dead. Some people said, I think it means power failure. People are just talking all this stuff. And basically they're saying it's hopeless. Okay, here's your solution. Buy a new washer is what they're saying. I was like, oh, snap, this is kind of stinky. But I remembered God told me to pray. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. And so I was like, yes, I'm going I'm sh- to show these people and then I'm going to go on those, their forum and I'm going to tell them. Let me show them. I also remember because there was a time I'd spoken at a retreat a uh, uh, little bit before that where um, there was these prayer women and one lady prayed for me and she said, Pastor, your hands are going to be hands that bring healing to people. All right? So when you put your hands on people, they're going to be healed. I believed it. I was like, shoot, yeah. So I said, I, hey, I'm not believing that only for people. I'm believing that for products also. And so I'm going to prove PF wrong. And so I put my hands on it. I said, in the name of Jesus, let this washing machine be healed. And I pushed the button and nothing happened. So I said, I got it. I, I'm praying. I got to unplug it and plug it back in. So I unplugged it, plugged it back in, pushed the button and nothing happened. So I was like, it's okay, you know. This is just the first time, taking some time for the prayer to register in the heavenly realm. So I prayed again. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, who brought healing to all our infirmities, maybe not to washing machines, but I'm believing that you will, would you heal this washing machine in Jesus' name? Amen. I plugged it back in, pushed the button, and nothing happened. Oh, man, this is getting kind of nervous, and I started, like, one bead of sweat fell off into the washing machine. I said, all right, we'll try this again. In the name of Jesus, would you heal this washing machine and bring it back to life? In Jesus' name, third time's a charm, right? Jesus went away and found his disciples sleeping three times. They didn't pray, so three times I'm going to pray. I laid hands in Jesus' name. Push the button, and nothing happened. So I said, okay, I, 
and I started like busting out all of my theology and all of my Bible stories. And I said, Joshua walked around the walls of Jericho seven times because this is all a test of God in my life to believe. Uh, do I believe that God is going to bring this back to life? So I prayed a fourth time, nothing. Fifth time, nothing. Sixth time, nothing. But the walls of Jericho didn't start crumbling after the sixth time. It was only after they'd done it all. They didn't see anything. He was, if you see nothing, walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. Nothing is happening. Do you believe it even if you don't see it? I said, I believe it, God. Seventh time I pray in the name of Jesus, and I pushed that thing, and nothing happened. I was like, dang it. Man, I had told Olive. I was like, Olive, God's going to bring this thing back to life. Don't worry. Not a penny's coming out of my pocket in order for us to get this washing machine, to get clean clothes, because I'm believing that God loves clean underwear after a treat. That's what I was praying. But I went into the room, and I said, Olive, um, I guess it's not in the cards for us. Tomorrow, I'll go buy a washing machine. <laughs> it was really sad. I was heartbroken. But Olive, being the trooper that she is, said, it's okay, it's okay. So the next morning, I woke up. You know, you know, like when you've got like some, like Abraham, when he was sacrificing Isaac, woke up early in the morning. When you've got something heavy on your heart, you wake up, it's like still in your heart. Like that washing machine was on my heart. So I woke up all early. Olive was still sleeping. I went to my computer. I was like, all right, I got to. Look up a washing machine. Shoot. And then I said, but wait, I'm going to pray one more time. Just one more time. They walked around seven times, and then after that, they did it again, and that's when it fall, fell. So I said, Father, and I'm, I pray this often because I, I read this in a book by Paul Miller, Praying Life. Um, I said, God, I really need this. Um, and again, this doesn't al it doesn't always happen this way. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. I don't know. But it doesn't always for me. I said, God, I really need this like for my faith, because I feel like you've been saying this to me, that I got to pray, that I need to pray more. I got to pray fervently, faithfully, diligently. So I said, God, for the sake of your kid here, it's not even about clean clothes, but for just for my heart, would you raise this machine from the dead? Say, in the name of Jesus, would you do this? Amen. And I received it by faith, and I unplugged it, and I plugged it in. I said, Dring! I said, oh, my gosh, what the? And then I pushed the button, and beep, it came on. As I said, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. And I pushed the button, and then water noise, psh, and water started filling the washing machine. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, Olive. I was like jumping up and down. Olive, it works. It works. It works. That's why I was shaking her. <laughs> I was shaking. Olive, it works. It works. And we're jumping up and down. And we're doing the floss even before the floss came out. And doing all of these. Yeah, he did it. He did it. He did it. And I said, I believe this day that God can raise the dead. If God can raise a dead washing machine, then can he raise a dead soul? And if God can raise a dead soul, can he raise a dead nation? Because if he did it for a washing machine, simply, not because he cares about a washing machine, not because he's all that excited about clean clothes, but for the sake of his child, would he not want to see those who are dead come back to life. What have you stopped praying for, my friends? What are the lessons that you've given up on? What are the lessons that God wants to resurrect in your life? What are the lessons that God wants you to remember in your life? Because he doesn't just want you to remember them. He wants you to live in them, to observe them. Man, I'm hoping that this year, and I'm praying, and I'm expecting that this is going to be a year that God rocks our socks off. Man, you begin to see, and I begin to see, and we as a church begin to see things that we've never before seen.
Because the last thing that we see here is if God did it once, then he can do it again. If he did it once, he can do it again. Look at what he says. As he recalls the history of the people of God in verse 14, it says, Don't forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert. That thirsty, waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions, he brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert. You may have heard these true stories of God's faithfulness in the past. Water from a rock, manna in the desert, out of slavery, the exodus, because the people of God would constantly, constantly, constantly remind themselves of these narratives, of stories that actually happened in history. Because in so doing, that was shaping the collective identity of the people of God. They're saying no other nation did God lead out of slavery. No other nation did he feed with manna in the desert. No other nation did he bring water out of a rock for. He did this for us. This is who we are. We are the people of God. We are not defeated. We may be small, but we are strong when the Lord surrounds us. And they're saying this is us. We need to remember, guys, because you need to be reminded that we are not a forsaken people. You are not a forgotten people. We are not a, 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 a side-of-the-road people, but we are God's kids. We are God's people. We are the people of God, the sheep of his pasture, and he's leading us. And if there's one thing that I've learned in my life, there's not many that I remember, but one thing is that God will never leave us. That God will always be faithful. He will always be faithful to his promise. He will always be faithful to his people. He will always be faithful to his children. And this is the promise of God. We need to remember. We need to rehearse. We need to be reminded of all the things that are true of us. I want to read, um, read something that I wrote about six and a half years ago. It's actually um, something that one of our um, every year, one of our sisters shares this on Facebook. It comes up as a Facebook memory. Um, August 20th, 2012. And um, it's just about a, a normal Sunday, just like today, um, in the life of our congregation. Um, August 20, 2012, reflections from yesterday. Bear with me. It might take a few minutes to read this. It said, since August 4th of last year, God has been up to something in our church. Of course, it was long before that, but that's when a lot of us started putting the pieces together, had our eyes wide open. That was the night one of our team members was supposed to share his testimony at a church on the mission field in Ecuador, the testimony of a God who makes beautiful things out of dust. That day he asked me at least five times if he was going to share his testimony. I assured him that he would. He would not because that was the day Tico went home to be with Jesus. When he asked me over and over if he would still be sharing, it's like he knew something the rest of us didn't, and he wanted to prepare us for it. My congregation is not unfamiliar with death and hardship. Last year was the third summer in a row that someone in or close to our congregation had passed away. C.S. Lewis had said something about how God whispers to us in our pleasure and shouts at us in our pain to awaken a sleeping world. When we first tasted death, it's like he knew something the rest of us didn't, and he wanted to prepare us for it. The year since then has not been easy, but I cannot say it has not been good. 
Through the past year, God has been refining, healing, challenging, deepening, ruining us, but it has God's fingerprints all over it. Through the ashes, beauty indeed is rising. I didn't start writing this to share all that God had been doing in the past year, and it's been a lot. I started writing because I wanted to share my thoughts on yesterday and what God did in our worship service. Suffice it to say, through God's work in us this past year, our congregation is rising up to be bolder, more radical, more urgent, more willing to let go, more willing to move out of comfortable places. These are stories for another time. So about yesterday, I had a sense deep in my spirit that God had something special in store for us. I'm always excited for Sunday worship, but in my prayers for our service yesterday, there's a sense of heightened anticipation. I didn't know what exactly it was, but I knew that God wanted to move unhindered through our space, and the best thing would be for us to not stand in the way. During our prayers of preparation, there's a tangible feel of hunger for God's presence. Songs of praise were right out of scripture, and we're singing back of what God had already told us always a good start. We proclaim God's holiness and his worth. I felt he was delighting over his people who were delighting in him. We then heard three testimonies from people who went to Ecuador this past month. All three were so different yet so poignant. James shared that we are voices calling out to the lost to come home. Alex shared about the blessing of obeying and not avoiding the call of God. And Joseph Tico's brother shared the work of healing, growth, and ministry that God has been doing in him these past weeks. I felt the service could have ended then. I was so filled. But he hadn't even allowed the word of God to speak, which is where the true feasting is. Our guest speaker, James Cha, felt the spirit lead in a different direction than the message that he had already prepared. Instead of talking about idolatry and the work God's doing in North Korea, he talked about the cost of serving Jesus. He talked about how we're all called to let it all go for Christ. Talked about how it's worth it to die to our dreams. He talked about how there will not be fruit unless we die. He talked about trusting Jesus. He talked about how when we lay it all down, God will always take care of us. He talked about seeking first the kingdom of God. He talked about things that Jesus talked about. And then he illustrated it with examples from his life. And God's spirit was so heavy in that place. Almost like he was so welcome there that he wanted to linger. As we gave our offerings and his tithes back to him, we sang, give us clean hands. There is again this tangible sense of genuine longing. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks. Let us not lift our soul to another. And as we were singing, I felt God saying to me, I want more than a song, more than a dollar, more than a Sunday. Give them a chance to give all of themselves I felt that there was at least one person for whom God wanted to give the chance. At least one person for whom God wanted to confirm uh, their call to missions. I didn't know who, but I wanted to pray for them and have Pastor James and Faith pray for them. And, And as we opened the altar for those who wanted to give their lives and surrender for the sake of missions, for the sake of ministry, for the sake of being used in their schools and their workplaces, I didn't expect to see what I saw, not just a trickle, but a stream of people who had counted the cost and said, Lord, here I am, take all of me. The altar was full. People were stacked. There wasn't enough time. I wish I had pictures, but the ones in my mind are still clear. Middle schoolers, hands raised high in surrender to the one who gave it all. 
high schoolers, hands wiping away tears, aware of the cost of following Jesus. College folks, hands lifted to receive more of God as they head into the school year. Single folks, hands in their faces covering tears of God-sent joy. Married folks, hand in hand, committing their futures and their families to Christ. Slowly but surely, since that time, Stories are coming in and people are wanting to talk about what God is doing in their lives. People are sharing convictions and seeking what it means for their present and future. I believe that every person who was at our worship service yesterday was there for a divine purpose. When God brought us there, it's like he knew something the rest of us didn't and he wanted to prepare us for it. God is doing something in my little congregation outside of Orlando. He's raising up generations. He's calling us out of comfort out of lukewarmness, out of excuse-laden living. I think to myself, our church is far from perfect, but I love it because it's mine. And then God says, actually, it's mine. And I say, that's even better. It's even more reason to love it. God's taking us on a journey. I don't know how to explain it. I'm just thankful to be in the car. I'm fastening my seatbelt because the ride will be wild, and if he's driving, I don't want to get out of this car to be continued. And as uh, our sister shared this um, last August, she said, man, it's been six years that God is still moving in us. Guys, this is us. This is who we are. This is our heritage. This is our destiny. This is our past. This is our future. This is our history. This is who we are. That we're not called to live an easy life, a comfortable life. We're called to give everything for Christ who gave everything for us, came into our world. And if there's anyone who remembered, it was Jesus. If there's anyone who fulfilled the law of God perfectly, it was him. As he entered into this world, what did he remember? He rem- I don't know what he remembered. I can imagine he remembered being with his father in eternal intimacy. He remembered that. He remembered the creation of the world and the planting of the first people in the Garden of Eden. He remembered all of that and the infinite love that was shared. And certainly he remembered that as he hung on a cross for the sins of the world. When he recalled the intimacy with the Father and the memory of what was becomes a longing for what is to be. And as he longed for the Father's touch, he was forgotten by the Father. Not remembered because the father turned his face away. Why? He forgot our sins because all of our sins were placed on Jesus so that we would remember our sin no more, but we remember the work of God in our lives. In remembering all that God was, we say with the prophet Habakkuk in chapter three, verse two, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day. And in our time, make them known. God, we've seen you move. Move the mountains. Would you come? Would you do it again? I don't know what you're thinking this year's going to be like. I think it's going to be a wild and amazing ride. We step out in faith. We're going to see the glory of God. The dead are raised. The sinner saved. The work of his power, all for his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Let's pray. What is God calling you to remember? What is God calling you to stand on? What blessings of the past? What lessons of the past? What, because whatever God has done in the past, he's able to do it again. He's able to do it again, and he wants to do it again. What is God calling you to? Yeah. Can we spend a few moments reflecting, praying? Let's repent.
uh, for any ways in which we uh, have forgotten the work of God, for ways in which we've uh, ignored the call of God, for ways in which we thought that uh, things were impossible because we removed God from the equation, times in which we remember the blessing but forgot the blesser. God is moving Jesus says in John's gospel, my father is always at work. To this very day he's working. And our mission and our role and our job is to see where he's working and to align our lives with it. Because when we surrender his will, done his way, we'll never lack God's power. So let's ask the Lord God, Lord, here I am. My life is a blank sheet of paper, 2019. Would you write your glory all over it? I'm just a pencil in your hand. But God, as I give myself fully to you, instead of resisting the author of the story, Lord, help me just to surrender all that I am. That in your hands, the pen obedient to the author, you would write and scribe an amazing story in me, through me, for your glory. Let's pray together for a minute or so, a minute or two confessing any sins as we prepare to come to this table of God's grace. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pray that as we enter into um, this new year, there are many things to naturally be excited about. As others talk about New Year's resolutions and we talk about the new you, new year, new you that I want to be, there's a natural built excitement, anticipation. The page is clean. Our Bible reading plans can start anew without us being months behind. There's a lot of things for us to be excited about. Father, remind us to not take you out of the equation. You are God. And with the God multiplying factor, you can do through our lives immensely, immeasurably, infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. The God who takes a little boy's lunch offering and uses it to feed multitudes in the strength of the faith of the world-changing disciples can use us. Whatever way you would use us, Lord, we surrender to you. May this be a year of amazing blessing, amazing grace. Help us, Lord. We need you. May we each day make a decision, not just have a desire, but make a decision to seek you, choose you, to live out the lessons of faith. Thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name.